Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Conversations with Filmmakers podcast. This is part two and the final discussion with Dave Bossert. He is the former visual effects supervisor from Disney. Thanks for joining us. In this industry, it's so small at a certain level, right? So yeah. think about it, Dave. If you leave on bad terms, that person could be the the head of another division at the company you're trying to get into. So hey. I, I've had friends like that where they're like, so-and-so that we used to work with just came in to interview with my boss, you know? And it's like, ooh, that's not a good thing because you were not nice to people at the last job. So all it would take is, you're literally interviewing with that person's boss where they can say, don't hire that guy. You know, it's a, it's a, it really is a small business uh, when you think about it and uh, people who uh, display bad behavior Mm -hmm. uh, that gets around really fast. And, uh, and, you know, you can spend years building your reputation and you could just destroy it uh, you know, very quickly. Uh, and also if you get a reputation for being difficult and there's plenty of actors and all kinds of people in the industry who have gotten those reputations as being difficult and, uh, and they're, they have trouble finding work because, because people say, Oh, that person's difficult. I don't want to work with them. You know, and it's as simple as that, simple as that. Yeah, we think it's a really large ocean, but it's more like a smaller lake <laughs> when it gets to certain levels. So, but let's talk um, uh, uh, briefly, though. You had mentioned the writing that you're doing now, the nonfiction books and everything. Could you speak more on how did you even transition into that and maybe some of the um, content that you've worked on for that? Sure. And what is that process, you know? Yeah, you know, it, it, it was really sort of an interesting um, uh, a, a, an interesting route into uh, into writing books because I never I never viewed myself as somebody who would be writing books. Um, <laughs> Why and, is that? and uh, you know, I, it was just one of those things like, you know, I just never thought about it, you know? Mm-hmm. It, it, it's like if somebody walked in and said, Hey, Vante, uh, you know, I want, I want you to be a, uh, you know, let, let's make you an astronaut. You'd be like, hey, wait, <laughs> wait a second. I, ha- I had never thought about being an astronaut. You yeah, know what I mean? Exactly. So it, it, it's like, same with writing a book. You know, I never yeah. thought I would ever write a book and I had written for a number of years, I had written some uh, commentaries for a local community newspaper, just on community stuff, you know, mm-hmm. things that were going on. Um, and, you know, I think I started developing a voice doing that, um, a writing voice. And um, and then uh, I had a friend uh uh, we we were uh, we met up and we were trading stories about Roy Disney, Roy E. Disney, who mm-hmm. we had both worked with and knew very well. And, oh, wow. and, and I, I was telling him some stories uh, and he said to me, man, he goes, you ought to put some of those stories in a book. 
you know and and we kind of laughed about it and, and and you know a couple months later I, for whatever reason I, I i started thinking about that comment mm-hmm. and i had had a meeting drop out on my calendar so i i went on to amazon on my computer and i i i searched for a book on writing a book <laughs> writing for dummies remember that really <laughs> pretty much pretty much so seriously and 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 so i got that book and i and i remember not even finishing it i i got enough out of it that you know i wrote a um an introduction of what the book would be and i wrote a sample chapter mm-hmm. and i i asked somebody if they knew anybody at the publishing arm of disney and they did and i just did a cold email to the person mm-hmm. and and i sent them the introduction and the sample chapter and and then i happened to be in new york on business and the two of us met up uh at a restaurant in lower manhattan Dave, that's uh called networking yeah, I guess, but you know, we, <laughs> we, we met, you know, I'm just we, teasing we, you. We, we, we had, we had, you know, we, we knew each other's names, right. Uh, you know, cause when I reached out, she, she had, she knew who I was, mm-hmm. uh, and I had heard her name. Uh, but you know, I, uh, I, over lunch, uh, she said to me, you know, we, we'd like you to do this book. And I, I was, I was, I was floored. I You're really like, was. what is okay? I, need I, to I know. I walked away, going, I, "I'm doing a book," and then I and then I realized, "Oh my God, I'm doing a book!" Yeah, I you're like, a "Book?" You know? <laughs> I was gonna say, "I'm like, you're like, okay, I re- I read writing for dummies or whatever, like the intro book to how to write." Yeah. But now I got to do a whole book. <laughs> so yeah. So so I you know I I, I wound up uh you know doing that and uh okay you know you're and skipping I, over you're skipping over all the juicy details right all right yeah what was that first book you know and like what helped to inspire that like you mentioned the the different stories i would love for you to share like for instance the monorail story give us the monorail story because this man has stories for days and i love it so so the book really was remembering roy e disney okay Mm -hmm. um and uh store you know it, it was really you know that's the title of the book and what I wanted to do was to write a book that when when a person read it, they felt like they knew who Roy E. Disney was as a human being. Mm. Not, not because his last name was Disney and he, you know, was wealthy and this and that, but really to understand what kind of a person he was. And, okay. and it was really told through personal experiences and personal stories uh of traveling with him and with a few other people that i interviewed for it and um you know and and you mentioned the monorail story i mean one of the things that uh you know i had dinner with with roy at the top of the the grand uh uh, the contemporary resort uh Mm -hmm. in orlando at, at the california grill restaurant which is at the very top and and after dinner we came down to the monorail platform which is mm-hmm. inside the contemporary resort and uh and, and we were going to take the monorail back to our hotel mm-hmm. uh which was like one stop away and 
and you know, here's Roy Disney, he's vice chairman of the company. You know, he billionaire could do, Roy Disney. Yeah, yeah, he could do whatever he wanted, right? Yeah. Uh, but instead, we waited online with everybody else. We didn't jump the queue. We just waited online and we waited for our turn to get onto the monorail. You know, and uh, and that speaks oh. volumes. It speaks volumes for people uh, that that do those kinds of things. You know, he he didn't take the name or the privilege or any of that for granted. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and and you know, for him to to wait online uh, uh, was perfectly natural for him. You know, he he felt that that was that was respectful of all the other guests. You know. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so there was a lot of stories like that and a lot of travel related stories and funny things. And, and so I put this collection together uh, after he had passed away, you know, um, and, uh, and and so that was my first book. Uh, um, and when I turned in that manuscript, I had put together a pitch for another book. Oh, because you are rocking and rolling now. Well, I, I just thought, well, you know, the I, I picked these topics that I really knew a lot about. And so the second right. book was was Dolly and Disney Destino. And it was a small short film that Salvador Dolly and Walt Disney collaborated on in 1946. Wow. And then a small team of us finished it 58 years later in 2003. Wow. So it was, you know, one of those things where you're like, I really know everything about this and I worked on it and I was part of the team to help finish it. So I decided to pitch the idea of putting that whole story from 1946 to 2003 completion of the project wow, that's you know, put, to put that whole story into a book. So I, I submitted that pitch and they were like, yeah, we want to do that book. You know, so it was like my <laughs> second book contract. And now, and at that point, I was starting to get a little bit more confidence. And yeah. I decided that I would enroll at the UCLA Writers Program. Uh, nice. uh, that's part of their uh, uh, UCLA extension. Mm -hmm. And um, and so I wound up getting a certificate in uh, creative writing. And I got another certificate in fiction writing. Uh, and all of those classes and all the people I met in those classes really helped to boost my, my writing voice, mm -hmm. my, you know, how I was structuring stories and all of those things. I just learned so much from it. And again, education, it's always about yeah. learning. It's a, you know, whether you're going to take a class online or if you're going to actually go to a classroom or whatever it is you you're constantly learning and, and what's so great about the technology today and the internet and all of this stuff is that you know you can you can pretty much search for anything online that you need to know about you know and you can mm -hmm. find a class in it you could find how to do it. You could find a YouTube video, to webinars, have, YouTube, anything. Yeah. You know, a TED talk, mm -hmm. whatever it is, and um, educate and, yourself. Yeah, and so it's really about you know education doesn't stop when you finish high school or you finish college or or graduate school. Mm -hmm. Education is a lifelong uh, learning adventure, mm -hmm. you know, and 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 I I take classes every year, every year, That's you know, amazing. and 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 so 
I always want to learn something new. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times some of those things will not have a direct connection to what you're doing, but they get your mind going. They mm -hmm. get your mind thinking differently. How is something put together? How do you make something? How do you do these things? And so a lot of those things that I do outside of the sphere of writing books, yes, those things are, are constantly swirling through my head and helping me think and look at things differently. Mm -hmm. And and so a lot of my books that I a lot of the books that I've chosen to write are uh, topics that haven't been touched on, you know, and so you make it a unique story. Hi, everyone. And thanks again for joining us. Just so you know, Dave Bussert is actually going to be releasing a visual companion book for The Nightmare Before Christmas that will be dropping on September 26th. Please check out his website at www.davebussert.com to learn more. Hi there, and welcome back to Conversations with Filmmakers podcast. Let me yeah. tell the audience real quick. Thank you for joining us because we are doing Conversations with Filmmakers with Dave the Boss Man. That's going to be your new name, Dave. Dave the Boss Man. But I wanted to ask you really quickly to go back to that. Aside from the books going into the animation part, how did you transition from, you know, what they're doing, you know, back then, I guess it was like drawing it out, but now they have all these different technologies where you're doing it. You know, when did that happen for you as well? And how were you able to? Well, you, you know, again, this is about, you know, keeping up with uh, advances in your field of expertise. You know, Absolutely. so so for for me, uh, being in the effects department, um, there was always new uh, techniques and new technologies coming about. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and it was really about not being afraid of that, but embracing it and learning it. And the earlier Absolutely. that you learn those things, the better off you're going to be. And, and frankly, you know, as as computer technology started to come into animation, mm -hmm. so it, it really there was this, you know, decade plus transition from um, uh, hand drawn to computer generated animation at Disney, mm -hmm. um, you know, was, uh, over over 10 or 12 years of, of the the technology being used incrementally more and more mm -hmm. uh, into the different films you know, until you hit an inflection point where people say, well, why don't we just do a CG movie, you know? And, <laughs> yeah. and, and the, the, the fact is, is that if you kept up on those advances and learned them and, uh, uh, you know, developed an aptitude to using those technologies, you just advanced along the way. Mm -hmm. The people, the people who just wanted to, you know, hold uh, a pencil and draw, Mm -hmm. uh like they, had, like they had been doing for decades and decades at disney those people got left behind and ultimately mm -hmm. were laid off and left the industry because there, there was no use for them so to speak you know what i mean mm -hmm. uh their their jobs disappeared 
and they didn't want to transition uh, using new technology. And that's, you know, that those are personal choices. And, you know, so the thing I always tell, uh, you know, people in college and whatnot, embrace the technology. It's just one more uh, tool in your toolbox, Absolutely. you know, and, and nowadays, Honestly, if you want to get into the animation business, you have to have embraced technology. You have to be adept at working on the computer. You have, you know, have to be able to uh, use the different software packages to create animation, to create elements that are used in animation. So, it, you know, it, it's kind of a given now. But, mm -hmm. you know, 30 years or 20 years ago, um, you know, it, it was, uh, you know, something I, I said constantly was, you know, embrace all the new technology. Change is constant, you Absolutely. know, and, and, and that's what everybody has to realize is that the one constant in our world, in everything we experience is change. Everything's changing. And it, and, it, and, and it continues to change at an even more rapid pace. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So. And can you speak to as well, how was it, for instance, when you were approached to help out with um, The Nightmare Before Christmas? Because that was a different look and feel as well. You know, um, that was something that was probably your, your team had managed, right? Well, no, I mean, that was a, a completely separate production, but they needed some help. Uh, and, mm -hmm. uh, and and I was always known as somebody who, if you came to me and asked me to do something, I always said yes, you know? And <laughs> and, 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 and the funny thing is, I, I, I had, early in my career, I had talked to an artist who'd worked at Disney for like 45 years. Wow. And, and, and one day I said to him, I go, hey, you know, what, what's the, what's the secret to the longevity? And he looked at me and he said, I always said, yes. I go, what do you mean? He goes, anytime somebody came in and asked me if I could do something, I always said, sure, I can do that. And, <laughs> and, 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 they, and he said, and then when they left my office, he said, oh my God, I got to figure out how to do that. I don't know how to do that, you know? And so he'd yes. go figure it out. And, and mm -hmm. the funniest thing is I've seen people, younger people, coming into the into the workplace it, you go up and you say hey can you, i want to have you do this the first thing they're they're, they're oh, I, I i don't know how to do that. i've never done that before i know well, that's and okay. that's the worst that, thing you can say that, that's I, i'm like okay so you haven't done it before go figure it out go figure you know? it out exactly. or go talk to go talk to so and so and they'll show you how to do it you know what exactly. i mean exactly be and, proactive and, instead and that's of how you active. learn yeah. Yes. So I, so, yeah. so, so, you know, he said to me, he goes, I always said, yes. So I sort of took that as great advice. And so anytime somebody came in and said, Hey, could you help so-and-so on such and such? I'd say, sure. Okay. What do you want me to do? You know? Yeah. And I go, I go do it and I go figure it out. And nightmare was a perfect example because, you know, it was 1992, 1993, and they wanted to make it snow in Halloween Town in the movie. There's a sequence mm -hmm. where it snows. And um, the computer software packages uh, didn't really have great what are known as particle system generators. Mm. You know? so, okay. so the particle system 
wasn't really where it needed to be in some of the packages that they were using to do uh, rigid body um, uh, animation or character animation. Um, it hadn't really been developed. So they paired me with a software engineer, a very talented guy named Trin Huang. And, okay. and Trin uh, was writing the code uh, as I was, you know, working with the director and getting the information on what he wanted to have done. And, and then I would sit there and I'd work on this early particle system. And then I would say, Trin, we need to be able to do X and, you know, he, Oh, okay. And he, he would be able to write the code or the software to be able to do that. Wow, that's you know? So, so, you know, it was a team effort, but mm -hmm. it was something that I had never done before, but I was happy to say, I I'm, I, I'm happy to do that. You know, mm -hmm. I, I, I said yes. And so I just had a reputation of being somewhat entrepreneurial and always, you know, if you came to me and asked me to help or do something, I always said yes, you Absolutely. know, and, and we, and then we, we go and figure it out, you know? Absolutely. And, and I think and that's that, probably why a lot of people would love to, you know, work with you because you have that open um, openness about yourself, you know? Yeah. And, and, and also I had a knack and I still do of simplifying things. I, I mean, oftentimes a lot of things get overly complicated, uh, and they don't need to be, you know, mm -hmm. there, there, there's oftentimes simpler solutions to, to doing certain things, um, whatever they are. And, and I tend to look for, you know, how can we do this the, the, the best quality, but also the most efficiently. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think it's important to, to, to view things that way. You don't have to overly complicate processes. Which is a very big thing. Yeah. An absolutely very big thing. It's like, do not overcomplicate. Now a message from our sponsors. We are excited to bring you this world exclusive teaser from Bad Rabbit Pictures and Movie Pods. They are presenting Age of Prophecy, a sci-fi fantasy podcast done in the style of the radio dramas of yesteryear. Coming soon to all streaming platforms. Visit www.moviepods.com or www.thenukechronicles.com for all the release dates. You won't want to miss this one. Your myths were born from our history. Let's check it out. Life. A vile, messy sequence of events before we die. All designed for something beyond us. It has to be. Or else, what's the point? You don't know me, but I know you. I am responsible for your triumphs and miseries. I am Zira and Lilzor. And to truly understand your own story, you must know mine. Your myths were born from my history. Hi there, and welcome back to Conversations with Filmmakers podcast. We touched on um, before about like something that, you know, you mentioned earlier with the continuing education, right? Doing it all of the time. 
there's a big thing in Hollywood that all over, I guess, in corporate, um, your feelings, I'd love to know your feelings on ageism. You know, um, is, is there an idea on how we can resolve that? I know what I feel um, could possibly happen, uh, but I would love to get your take on that. You, you know, it, it, it's interesting. I, I think, you know, in hindsight, I kind of feel like I left Disney at a really good time uh, mm -hmm. because I, you know, I, I don't want to say I haven't experienced it, but I haven't experienced it to, to the degree that mm -hmm. a lot of colleagues of mine are experiencing it right now. You know, mm -hmm. there there's a lot of folks who uh, their phone isn't ringing the way it used to be. Mm -hmm. uh, they're they're not. You know, some some of them have just resigned themselves to retiring uh, oh, wow. and, and triggering their their guild benefits and all of that because the the work isn't coming. And, mm -hmm. and one one story I want to convey, which is really kind of funny, was um, I have a friend uh, who, who told me this story. And I'm not going to mention his name, but he said uh, he got a call to come in for a job. Right. It, mm -hmm. He was going to be storyboarding a project. And when he got in, he said, you know, the director and, and the producers, and everything, they're all like young kids. Yes. Um and uh they they were just asking him about you know some movies he had worked on you know and it was like movies that they had grown up on okay oh, mm -hmm. and, and and he said he thought the interview went really well you know he was engaging he telling him about some of the projects he had worked on and he said and he didn't get the job and he said to me like four months later the same people called them and asked him if he would come in because the person they hired made a mess of the project and they were now calling him in to fix it. Craziness. And I, and I just thought to myself, that that is absolute craziness because why aren't you using somebody who's highly experienced? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, big deal that, you know, you're you're talking to somebody who could probably be your dad you know, mm -hmm. uh, uh, but you know, why not hire the, the experienced people? You're going to save money. You're going to save money. And yeah. that is my biggest thing. It goes back to almost like corporate mentoring, right? Hiring yeah. somebody seasoned. And also it's this misconception of they, um, they're stuck in their ways, right? So you yeah. just plainly said, hey, I get education every single year. I learn something new every single year. Yeah. It's this assumption that people, as they get older, are not willing to learn. They're stuck in their ways. They're not going to be flexible. And I think that's the biggest misconception. You know, even at myself at my age, I'm in my 40s or whatever. You know, I'm not too old or whatever. You know, I don't think anybody's old. I say maybe late 90s and early 100s is old but Vanti like Vanti you're a spring chicken yeah exactly but <laughs> but there has been challenges you know because a lot of times the the landscape has changed a yeah. lot of these businesses literally are going directly to the colleges they have businesses on that they literally have an office space at the college so they're literally like once you finish a class come on and work for us kind of thing right so, or they're lowballing 
those that are older who who have made a higher salary than what you're offering. And I'm sorry that, you know, somebody that is used to making six figures, you're now trying to get them to make 45,000 and they're coming with two decades of experience. I think, you know, but to get back to my point with the ageism thing, I feel like continuing to learn plays a big part. And I think it is good for cost savings, like you mentioned. Yeah. If somebody can do it in 20 minutes, and they did it wrong versus the older person that might do it in 45 minutes and it's perfection, which one would you prefer? Also, it provides corporate mentoring. Yeah. Get a mix of both. I'm sure with your staff over at Disney, you had young, old, whatever. You know what I mean? It wasn't like the same age range. It was whoever could do the job, right? Exactly. And you know what? It's always going to be a mix. But I, I do think that there there's a lot of dynamics at play uh, with um, uh, older workers. Uh, mm -hmm. yes, you know, they're established, they're getting paid more, uh, you know, if they're trying to, if, if a studio is trying to cut costs, get rid of some of those people, you know, get younger people in who will work for cheaper. Uh, yeah. but ultimately, you know, the product suffers, um, you know, you, you see money being wasted because things have to be redone because they, they're not working or they take much longer than they should to get them to work. Um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, as far as developing stories and things like that, I, I, I sit there and, uh, you know, look at some of the stuff that's gone on at Disney animation in recent years mm -hmm. and, you know, they're, they've had some, some severe flops and, mm -hmm. and disappointments at the, at the box office. And, and part of that has to do with the fact that they've drifted away from the, the core principles and the core foundation of the company and mm -hmm. how some of those you know how the animated films have been made and should be made uh mm -hmm. they're they're becoming overmanaged. they're becoming uh you know a, as if it's just a, a factory making widgets uh, <laughs> and, 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 you know and and that's just not you know that's just not a good thing and, you know, when they're spending 150 and 200 million dollars to make a movie, mm -hmm. um, you know, that's an awful lot of money to be flushing down the toilet because that's what they've done with a number of films in the last couple of years. Yeah. And, and you can only do that for so long, you know, um, be, before somebody has to turn the the, you know, turn the operation on its head and shake it a few times to yeah. try, and, try and figure out like why is this happening like and, the nintendo game console we used to hit the hell out of it yeah. and restart the <laughs> but no that's that's really true and that's something yeah. you um that's some really great insight to be honest you yeah. know but you know again i i don't want to leave on a down downer note I would we're not say, leaving anywhere, Dave. Yeah, I know we're not. Go, I, boss I, man. I, I, yeah, I, all I would say is that you know you're going to encounter all kinds of isms out there. Yeah. You know, when when you go out into the world, there's a, there's ageisms, there's racism, there's all kinds of isms. Yes. And 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 it and it's really about how you, uh, you know, deal with them and approach those things and go beyond those things mm -hmm. because it's all within yourself 
And you can sit there and make excuses. I didn't get the job because I'm too old or I didn't get the job because I I don't look like the boss or I didn't get the job because of this or they don't like my kind of, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, heritage. Uh, They don't like my religion. You you could sit there and make excuses all you want. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't amount to a hill of beans. You have to you you have to go beyond that. You have to you have to He's let fighting. that stuff roll off your back. And I know it's tough. I know it's tough for people to do that, but you have to move forward in a positive way and and and, and just do it. You know, when I sit there and, and say, oh, uh, I'm going to do this book, I go and do the book. I don't say someday I'm going to do a book because guess what? In the seven days of the week, there's no someday. Yeah, exactly. You know? there's, there's, there's a Sunday, there's a Saturday, but there's no someday. Okay. And, yeah. and the thing about it is that if you want to do something, you can make it happen. You can make it happen. And Absolutely. it may be tough, maybe tough to do, but you can do it. And, and, I love, and I love that you mentioned that because there's something, a theory that I have that's like, the talkers versus the doers. That's right. Staying with the doers, not yeah. the talkers. And, you know, even with going to the racism and diversity, you know, me as a Black woman, I've definitely faced that, right? But there were times where I set myself up to where they couldn't kick me out. Mm-hmm. You'd have to drag me out the building because I got yeah. my toe in the door. Yeah. And once my toe was in the door, I moved my foot in, my leg, my mm-hmm. ankle, my my whole body, my shoulder, and I and I made sure that I was a reflection of my people in a way that they felt comfortable enough to start hiring more of us. Yeah, you know, there were times where it would just be me on a team for many years. Right, and I did enough, and I and I convinced them enough to hire more of us. And I feel like with my community, we just need to get more at those positions of executives you know we don't we we concentrate too much on sometimes the acting portion or being on the crew but to really make change we have to move forward and get in those positions of you know hey we're green lighting this major motion picture film we're we're green lighting this blockbuster and it's not just a concentration on one race it's like diversity is everything it's about the story and yeah, that's and it, and, it, and it's it's hard and and, and and there's obstacles, but you have to a persevere. And and I I do want to tell you one story about Walt Disney because this is a great story, right? Don't so go. so in the 1920s, uh, he started doing a new character called Oswald the Lucky Rabbit, and <laughs> and 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 he thought that he owned the character, but he didn't his producer and universal, the distributor owned the character. Right. And so, um, he finished the first 26 cartoons and he went to New York to say to the producer, Charles Mintz, you know, I want more money for the next group of cartoons. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to pay my artists more and all of that. And unbeknownst to him, Charles Mintz has signed away a lot of his artists, uh, behind his back and set up his own cartoon studio, the Oswald cartoon studio, uh, in in Hollywood. And, um, and he told Walt, not only are you not getting any more money, 
you're not you're not doing any more of the cartoons and walt was like boy i'm gonna go shop them around and they're like you can't we own the character and wow. so from that that was a huge blow to walt disney but guess what on his train ride back and i'm i'm kind of paraphrasing this and cramming it all together but on his, no, that's fine. On, on his train ride back to hollywood from new york uh he and uh uh he he developed a new character uh mickey mouse uh and so out out of adversity the guy got knocked down he had a character taken away from him that he mm -hmm. never owned he couldn't you know he was gonna not have any work at his studio once he finished the first 26 of the oswald cartoons and instead of belly aching because he could have easily gone and sat on a bar stool and just you know bitched and moaned to a bartender and, and cried to anybody who'd listen now he got screwed over instead yeah. he developed mickey mouse and he went and created the first three mickey mouse cartoons and they took off like a rocket you know and, and i don't know so, about no oswald yeah, character and, i don't know where and, that yeah. rabbit is today <laughs> and, and, and and yeah but uh, you know and in, in, in hindsight you sit there and go you know that was a pivotal moment this is a guy that got knocked down and he picked himself up and and he took that life lesson and he said going forward i'm going to own all my characters so he owned mickey mouse and That's all the so characters that came after that, he made sure he owned those characters and didn't have to. And, 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 and there you have it. I mean, that's what the Walt Disney company was founded on, you know, that kind of tenacity. So I would just tell people, if you get knocked down, if you have a disappointment or something, you just pick yourself up, learn something from the moment, but pick yourself up, move forward, you know, yeah. and that's, that's what we all should be doing. That's what we all should be doing. And that's one thing that I would say with my friends, I tell them just don't move in fear. You know, something like this, the conversations with filmmakers that you're on right now, Mr. Dave, the boss man, to say really quickly, um, <laughs> I love that name. Listen, you're going to be called. Well, you know, so it's so it's so funny because over the years, there's so many people have called me boss or boss man. You know, it, it's I'm like it's just, a, na it, boss man. It's I'm just a natural. It, yeah, it's just natural. I'm putting it together. You know, you was born in Queens anyway. So, you know, you're a fellow New Yorker, even though you lived out in Long Island, blah, blah, Brooklyn, Queens. I was born in Brooklyn. You were born in Queens. We know Brooklyn. Brooklyn is better, of course, but to go back not, to it, I won't though, argue with you. <laughs> yeah, to go back to it, though, sometimes you just got to create your own lane, right? Yeah. And I think that is a really great point that you're making. But yeah. let's segue into another um, section and everything. Are there any projects out there now, you know, you as a former animator, would you have loved to work on? Um. Uh... No, because, you know, my life is <laughs> Do you always... read more than you watch now? No, no, because, because my my life has just been a, a continuous evolution, mm -hmm. you know, uh, of of learning, of doing new things, of constantly always what what is the next thing after this, you mm -hmm. know? It's like I'm 100%, 150% focused on whatever I'm doing at the moment, but I also, in the back of my mind, know what the next thing is going to be, you know, mm -hmm. and what is it that I want to do? And so, you know, for me, 
there's no there's no projects that I would have said, oh, I wish I had worked on that because mm -hmm. I didn't. I didn't work on those. And and when I uh the last feature film that I really had a big hand in was Fantasia two thousand. Mm -hmm. And 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 I kind of look at that as my last feature film because after that i evolved into uh, a special projects unit and a creative director role in that special projects unit and then eventually uh heading up that special projects unit uh and then and that was so much fun for me because I was able to then work on theme park attractions and I could do stuff oh. for dancing with the stars on ABC and I could uh, work with publishing or with the games division or, you know, all of these different divisions of the company I was able to do work with. And so I was exposed to a lot of different disciplines a lot of new things and met a lot learning. of new people and i was mm -hmm. constantly learning stuff mm -hmm. and then some of the projects were were things where we were as a team inventing something new you wow. know and and so to be part of that was exciting and it was you you're stretching your your boundaries you're you're stretching uh your knowledge base uh, mm -hmm. you're trying things, you're learning things that are new. Um, and, uh, and I think that to me was very exciting and it was part of my evolution, uh, of my career evolution. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, so I, I don't look and go, Oh, I wish I worked on something. I have seen some films that, you know, recently like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, yeah. Turtle Mayhem, uh, which I I just think is absolutely fantastic. I love the visuals uh, of the movie. I I love the 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 uh, script. Uh, the 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 storyline moves along at a very good pace. Um, mm -hmm. It's an exciting film. Uh, you know, and I sit there and and go, good on you to the filmmakers. Mm -hmm. for you know stepping out beyond the boundaries and doing new things visually mm -hmm. that i i think are are just you know fantastic from a filmmaking standpoint but do i wish i had worked on the movie no i don't think so i don't want to be <laughs> i i don't want to be in that rat race anymore you yeah know? he's like no 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 I'll just watch i i, I want to go buy my ticket and go enjoy it at the end when it's finished yes <laughs> I know one of my favorites is um, Love, Death, and Robots. Um, that's another one as well. They take a whole bunch of shorts and stuff. So, no, but that's really good. Um, but yeah. can you talk to us more about any books that you're currently working on or any projects? Well, that you're currently you know, I, I've got two. I've got two books coming out. I've got Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas Visual Companion. That's coming out on September 26th. Oh, nice. um, and uh and that is sort of a making of that film it's mm -hmm. a behind the scenes look at how that film came to be and uh and then i have another book coming out on october 17th and that is the house of the future walt disney mit and monsanto's vision of tomorrow 
And, oh, wow. and so, you know, both of those books were, were, you know, really every book I do is a passion project. It's, it's something yeah. that I really wanted to do. So, um, the nightmare before Christmas book, actually Disney publishing asked me if I'd be interested in writing it. And then I told them, I said, Hey, you do know I worked on the movie and they said, Oh no, we had no idea. And I said, well, I did, I worked on the movie. So I'd love to tell this story because I know, <laughs> I know a lot of the people on the film. So, uh, so that was a, uh, a fun project. And I actually wrote that for the 25th anniversary, but there were some production delays and mm -hmm. scheduling delays and then the pandemic hit and they, they just said, well, uh, we'll put it out for the 30th anniversary you know, <laughs> because Disney loves anniversaries and celebrating different anniversaries. So, you know, it's coming out this year for the 30th anniversary. And then my house of the future book was already in the pipeline to be published for this year. So I've got, I, I'm fortunate to have two books coming out this year, but Congrats. you know, I, I, I have book projects stacked up out to like 2030, 2031. Wow. Uh, because um, I just sit and I, you know, we talked about it earlier. I don't sit and say, gee, I wish I could do something, you know, uh, uh, write something about such and such someday. Yeah. I sit there and say, oh, that's a really cool topic. I want to write something on that. And I put it on my list of things to do. And then I just start doing research on it. And I start gathering materials. And then at some point, you, you sit there and go, oh, okay, I'm going to write that book you know mm -hmm. and, and and i'll tell you something funny because all of my books are kind of serendipitous you know they they just wow. kind of they organically spring you know mm -hmm. uh and uh for more than 30 something years i take a personal retreat up to maine for a week or two usually it's two weeks mm -hmm. um and and i take a class at a seasonal school on the coast of maine and wow. I do things like crazy things, like make a pair of oars. You know, I don't even own a boat, but I made a <laughs> pair of oars because I wanted to learn how to do something like that, you know? Mm -hmm. And and I've taken all these different classes over this 30 years or so, that 32 years I've been going up there. And, and part of that has been expanding my creativity and and sort of being by myself, thinking thinking about the past year mm -hmm. thinking about what i want to do for the coming year mm -hmm. and setting some goals for myself Absolutely. And, and and i can tell you i have a notebook on my bookshelf here i could pull it off and open it up to a page and there's a list of books i wrote 10 12 years ago that i said oh i'd love to write these books wow right? I want to I, I want to write these books and I've crossed off like two thirds of the titles I wrote down. Now they're not the exact same titles, you know, the titles of have evolved and changed, but the subject matter is the same. And yeah, you, it's and, like uh, a vision board. You had your own like yeah, like a vision I, I, board, a yeah, list but, of but it was my list and and I just keep adding to that list of things I want to write about and I kind of feel like I know that when I finish one project, I'll get to the next. Anyway, long story short, people that I know over the years knew that I went to Maine by myself every summer for a couple of weeks. 
as a personal retreat to kind yeah. of just unplug from everything. And, um, you know, uh, I would say to my assistant, you know, when I was still at Disney, I, I, you know, I was, I was taking like two and three weeks. Sometimes I yeah. would say, you know, the first week I'm winding down. So I might answer some emails. Mm -hmm. I said, the second week, consider me dead. <laughs> don't reach out to me you damn and, right and, and then the third week i'll resurface at my own pace okay <laughs> so if you hear from me you'll hear from me. if you don't don't reach out to me you know <laughs> so so anyway i i had some people over the last i don't know five or six years people would say yeah you know you ought to write about that and everything anyway long story short i wrote a fifty thousand word uh book on uh finding your happy place find you it's called find your happy place eight step guide to expanding your creativity on a personal retreat I and, love that. And, and so i'm i'm in the process of going through the editing uh on that and i have more work to do on it but that's probably going to come out towards the end of next year and and that's just my process of going and doing my thing and how I explain it in eight simple steps that anybody can do. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to fly across the country and go someplace. You, you could do this on a weekend by yourself. And you could go to a local park with a chair and sit and follow what I've done over 30 plus years. And, and I guarantee it will help to clear your mind It'll help to expand your creativity and it'll help you to focus on goals and things that you want to accomplish, you know, because it, because it's worked for me. I love you that. Know? It's worked for me. And, and so, you know, I, again, somebody said, gee, you know, can you, you should write about that. Well, I, I sat there and thought to myself, yeah, I should, I'll write about it because it's worked for me. Maybe it'll work for other people. Maybe it'll help other people. And, you know, but, the thing about it is all these things require you to do work and mm -hmm. it's all about what's inside you and your ability to do it. And the people who have excuses, well, I can't do that. Well, look at your week. How much time are you watching TV? How much time are you playing games on your phone? How much time are you, you know, doing other things than working towards a goal you want to accomplish? Absolutely. You know? And sometimes so. too, it's like, that's a way to take care of yourself mentally and physically as well. Yeah. It's like unplugging and really re um recentering yourself. So I'm looking forward to that book. Dave, you better let me know when it comes out. I want a signed copy and I need your address so I can give you the the thank you note, mail it over there. <laughs> <laughs> no, but next time I'm in LA, we definitely have to link up. And Absolutely. I would do it. You are tuned in the Conversations with Filmmakers podcast. Now a word from our sponsors. We are proud to present Who Nation TV Plus, a worldwide urban TV, movies, culture, and entertainment platform available on the Roku and Fire TV networks. Download the Who Network app on the Google Play Store and join the Who Nation social community for true freedom of speech and expression with friends and family today. Or visit whonetwork.com. That's who, H-O-O -O Network. 
Thanks everyone, and we are so happy to be sponsored by them. Hi there, and welcome back to Conversations with Filmmakers podcast. All the things that you've done and all the work that you've made, um, you've you've mentioned about decompressing, and I think that's something important for the audience to know. You know, you have to, you have to have time for yourself. It is easy to burn out in this industry, especially if you're on crew. I'm sure with you as well, when you were an animator and VFX and all that, you're working 10, 12, sometimes 35 hours. Who knows? You know, I remember somebody had told me before with Lord of the Rings, they were rushing to get the editing done. It was almost done when the films was came come out and they ran into some complications. So people were like really going overboard to get that film out there. So if anyone is listening, make sure you take that time and recenter yourself. Yeah, you really do. You really have to focus yourself. You have to pick and choose your battles. You have to know uh, what your boundaries are. Because mm-hmm. if you don't set your boundaries, there are bosses out there that are going to trample all over you. They're going to dump stuff onto you. Uh, and mm-hmm. you you have to set your boundaries and say, I'm, I'm not going to be here past 6 p.m. because I'm coming in at 6 a.m. Or, uh, you know, whatever it is. You know, I, I worked with a director once who was a Seventh-day Adventist. And... Uh, he observed the Sabbath, which is Saturdays, right? So mm-hmm. from sundown on uh, Friday evening until sundown on Saturday evening, uh, he didn't do any work whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And so during the winter, when the sun is going down at four thirty, five o'clock, he, he laughed and went home. It didn't matter what was going on. We could be in the heat of production and mm-hmm. uh, and everybody accommodated him because those were his boundaries. He said, this is that. this is what I do. And everybody respected that. And and if you don't say this is what I do and these are my boundaries, you, you'll get trampled, you know, yeah, and, and, and you'll burn out very quickly burnout there's a time like you mentioned when you do say yes right like hey can you get this done but then there's also those boundaries as well yeah that was something that i would do even if it was my lunch hour i didn't care if i was sitting at my cubicle and you walked up to me on lunch i just looked at you and you knew i'm on lunch yeah like i'm there's nothing i'm entering right now come back (laughs) but it gave me that reboot it didn't matter i didn't need to run outside every time i wanted to sit at my desk get my chi on (laughs) for that one hour just to myself so i really wanted to thank you for joining me and you know you talk about being fearless you know and i spoke to you yesterday about this listen warner brothers and discovery call me because your girl got a superman script for you and i already told dave about it and he knows that but it's thinking outside of the box taking everything out of it and just saying we are here and we are creatives and i love being able to talk to a writer today you know because you are a are a, a writer and i know that that came very quickly and i also respect that you took the time to get the education and to actually learn the craft There are writers out there, you don't have to take these courses and all that. It does come naturally, right? But then there's other times that respect what we're doing and respect the craft, you know? I think it's awesome. What I want to know as my last question, Mm -hmm. what the hell happened to that tan chair, man? Who got it? 
Did someone inherit this? Well, yeah, yeah. You know something? It, it's really funny. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you a quick, <laughs> quick history of those chairs. So, it, it's okay. called it's called an airline uh, chair. Okay, airline. Uh, air uh, two words airline chair. Uh, <laughs> it was designed by a mid-century um, yeah. uh, uh, industrial designer and architect named Kem Weber. Mm -hmm. And uh, the uh, the studio had purchased, I think, close to 300 of those chairs from uh, Weber when he designed the Disney Studios in Burbank. Mm -hmm. And uh, anyway, by the 19, originally the chairs were covered in cloth, but the cloth wore out fairly quickly. So they had them reupholstered with automobile naugahyde upholstery, right? All right. right. Yeah. So it's, it's like leatherette. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, and so, uh, you know, the, uh, the artists, the animators would have those in their offices. But by the 1960s, they kind of felt like people felt like they were outdated. Mm -hmm. uh, they, it wasn't vintage furniture yet, you know. And so mm -hmm. uh, a lot of them got uh, stacked up in the basement of the animation building in the 60s. And then... In the 70s, they started kind of coming out of the basement. People, artists wanted to have them in their offices and stuff. Uh, anyway, uh, it turned out that those those airline chairs were highly collectible. And yes. a number of them sold for $22,000, $25,000 a piece at auction. So, <laughs> so all of a sudden, because they were you know, they had a provenance to them now and they were, you know, part of the mid-century design movement, which is very popular again. Um, yes. You know, a lot of the executives wanted those in their offices. Uh, so they wound up tagging them all with a barcode and they oh, do wow. an inventory once a year to keep track of them because of the 300, there might be 190 or so left because wow. over the years, some of them walked off. You damn right. They, you know, because they, no, nobody thought they, they were va of any value. Now they realize there's a tremendous amount of value to them. So <laughs> wow. that was the, that's the story of the airline chair. So when I was leaving the studio, I had a Kem Weber animation desk which by the wow. way, I'm sitting at right now, made in 1939. What? And, we got to see this desk. They, they came into my office and they said, would you like your desk? Would you like to take the desk with you? Yeah. And I thought to myself, are you out of your mind? You don't know what you're giving away. And then I smiled and said, oh, I'd love this, but how would <laughs> I get it to my house? And they said, oh, don't worry. We'll have the studio movers take it up to your house for you. You know? And then I immediately went and looked over at my airline recliner chair in the corner and, and, and the person from operations looked at me with a smile and said, no way you can't have that. <laughs> You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tag it, put a post-it note on it. This is moving as yeah. well. So, <laughs> so anyway, that, that's my funny story about the airline chair. There you have it. So um, let me ask you, if you could, would you do it all over again? 
If yeah, you can have I, I, a Benjamin Button moment, would you? Yeah, I, absolutely. I mean, I have, I have really, I have no regrets on on how my career went and how I, uh, you know, where I am now and the books I'm writing, and I'm having a ball. I really am. I, I feel like you know, uh, retirement isn't in my vocabulary. Yeah. I, I sort of have the Clint Eastwood philosophy: I wake up every morning and I'm not going to let the old man in. You know? I love that. And, and and so you know i i i feel youthful uh and i feel uh you know i've got a lot of energy to do a lot of different things and mm -hmm. i'm just going to continue to do those things and uh and i just love it because it, there's always something new and mm -hmm. there and and it's the it's the the journey it's the continuation of the journey it's the mm -hmm. adventure that i i've been on for decades and and i and i have no particular destination to hit you know i just keep it's it, you know it really is true what they say it's not about the destination it's all about the journey mm -hmm. and and so you know for me um uh, uh, everything i've done to date i'm i'm just incredibly proud of and i'm thrilled with and and i just love uh uh where i am and what i'm doing right now and 10 years from now i may be doing something different who knows you know and there's no time limit on it ain't no yeah. expiration date yeah. we're like damn twinkies okay yeah, <laughs> yeah it, you no know, expiration it, it keeps listen, going you know the the one thing that i think seriously is you gotta do something you're passionate about and that you Absolutely. love doing you have to spring out of bed every morning. I, I wake up every morning at four thirty in the morning. I'm I'm raring to go. I'm I'm like I, you know I'm what's the next thing? What do I have to do? What do I got to do? It's you know I'm in my office at six a.m. You wow. know and uh and so I'm excited, and you mm -hmm. have to be excited. If you if your alarm goes off and you go oh crap I got to get up and you're yeah. dragging yourself out of bed. Man, go figure out something more that you want. So go figure out something better. Because if you're just dragging yourself out of bed to go you have a miserable day at whatever it is you're doing, mm -hmm. you shouldn't be doing that. You should, you know, life is too short. You got to find the thing that you're passionate about, the thing that you want to have fun with. And I know people are out there probably listening going, well, that's easy for you to say, you know, I'm struggling to make the rent or I'm struggling to do that. Well, guess what? You can change whatever it is you're doing and Absolutely. you can do something different. And if that means working two jobs to set up your own business at some point, that's what you do. Raise you know? his hand. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? If, if you're, you know, if you're, you know, uh, have a, have a real goal in mind of what you want to do and you want to try it and, and, and know that you might fail. So what big deal, you know, what? and that's the biggest fear with a lot of people, you know, when you hear people say someday I'm going to do that, or uh, I'd love to do that someday, or, you know, any, any of those phrases, you know, those are people who are never going to do those things. Mm -hmm. you know the don't, don't versus the doers the yeah. talkers versus the doers i'm That's doing right. a trademark on that copyright yeah. don't take it y'all but it's, it's so true it is so yeah. true a lot you, of people do that yeah yeah you have to you have to set your mind to saying i'm gonna go do that yeah i want to do that how do i do that figure it out figure yeah. it out 
You know, there, you know, how can I go to college? I, I can't afford college. Go figure it out. There's plenty of programs to help people go to college. You but know? like you mentioned earlier about the chair, right? The the twenty something thousand dollar chair, right? Yeah. But you used to sit in that chair and concentrate and really think on story. It's yeah. the same thing with people's lives. We gotta shut mm -hmm. down these apps, shut down all of the noise and really listen to ourselves what is it exactly that you want out of life if you it is if it is to be an aspiring filmmaker what can you do today after listening to this to get started right yeah and you know i'll i'll, I'll tell you this uh when when you take a day for yourself just take a single day mm -hmm. and go someplace maybe you go to the beach because the beach is close by maybe you go to a local park don't go with anyone go by yourself mm -hmm. don't sit near people sit out by yourself away yeah. from everybody okay and sit there and stare out at the ocean or stare at the pond or stare at the woods you know and let your mind go because there's so many people who, you know, every day they're wondering, well, what are they going to think if I say something or uh, what I, I shouldn't do that because somebody's going to look at me oddly or whatever. Guess what? I go and sit and you can laugh out loud. You can cry. You can take a nap. You could do whatever you want without anybody judging you. And mm -hmm. that's the important thing here is to sit in a space you know, do it for eight hours, do it for five hours, do it for four hours, whatever it is that you can squeeze, but go sit by yourself and clear your mind, shut your phone off, stare at the sky, enjoy the afternoon and let your mind go free and think mm -hmm. about the things that you want to think about without any judgment, you know, without any judgment. Yes. Yeah. Yep. I love that, Dave. All right. So Dave, the boss man, I promise you, you're going to be calling yourself that. Somebody's going to call you and be like, yo, boss man, let me talk to you. But <laughs> just from hearing it from this podcast. But I do want to say um, thank you so much for joining us. I would love for you to say one more time about when these books are releasing. Also, sure. the House of the Future. Could you explain a little bit more and what you're hoping this book might uh, uh motivate to do as well yeah, so well the house of the future was an attraction at disneyland from 1957 to 1967 and it was mm -hmm. really sort of this vision of what tomorrow would be like you know mm -hmm. uh and and how people might be living and uh i never had the opportunity to see the attraction so what i set out to do in the book is to come as close as possible to touring the house without actually stepping foot in it and, yeah. and and I think I, I I accomplished it because I think I'm very happy with how it turned out, and I feel like I've really have seen the house, even though I've never walked through it. Um, and and um, you know, if, if people want to read about some of my books or look to see what kind of books I've written, you can go to my website, davidbossert.com. D-A-V-I-D-B-O-S-S-E-R-T.com, davidbossert.com. And, um, you know, and, and uh, the, it's a fairly robust website because I, I've got about 60 articles I've written about different animation, you know, different things in animation, um, 
you can uh, see some of those. You can read all that. It's all free material to read. Uh, you can see all the books I've uh, written. Um, there's links to uh, where you can get those books. Uh, there's free stuff you can send away for if you want a signed book. Uh, you can send away for a free book plate or a bookmark or a drink coaster or any of that kind of stuff. So, I and, love you can that. Always, and you can always reach out to me if you have any questions. You can reach out to me through my website. So, do it. You know, go to davidbossert.com and check it out. Dave, the boss man, Bossert. We love you already. <laughs> Thank well, you. Well, hey, uh, Vanti, it, it was just such a pleasure to be on your podcast. And I love talking with you. I love talking with people who have lots of energy and big, bright smiles. Oh, thank you, man. And next time we're wearing army fatigue together, you yeah, bring I, out those I, army I, fatigue shoes. I, I will. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. Guys, right. um, thank you so much for joining Conversations with Filmmakers today with Dave the Boss Man because he's excellent. Check out his website because this man is a wealth of knowledge. That's your certification right there. He's giving you the access to all the work that he's done. He has oncoming projects that are going to be releasing this year and um, a few more all the way up through 2030. This man is writing. He's backed up and writing. And then he's adding more to the list. So guys, come and get this education, definitely. I really wanted to thank you, Dave. You gave us so much insight into your journey and how to mentor education, how you should be presenting yourself professionally and how to move forward when you're maybe stuck in your career. So that was the actual goal of Conversations with Filmmakers. I wanted to thank you so much. And My pleasure. Out of here. Thank you. You've just tuned into an episode of Conversations with Filmmakers podcast. We'd like to thank our guests for joining us and sharing their knowledge. This has been a production of Vonti Pictures, hosted by me, Vonti McRae, a screenwriter and producer. We'd also like to thank Bad Rabbit Pictures for the animated content and for their upcoming creation of podcast Age of Prophecy, along with our sponsor, Who Nation TV, with all episodes being edited by Mr. Jacob Daly, a director and producer and a man of many talents. Come back next week as this saga continues.